Hi, welcome back. I'm Anne Scotland. Thank you so much for joining me here today on Scotland Talks, where we're talking about the power of joy, how to find less stress and more success. And if you aren't already, please follow me on uh, Twitter, Instagram at Anne Scotland, and you can find out more about me on my website, uh, www.annscotland.com. Uh, today, I am just thrilled to have a special guest on our show. Her name is Linda Sunshine West. I just love your name. <laughs> Welcome, Linda. Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, it's funny, people um, ask me, is my, my real name, Liz Sunshine? And it isn't. Um, I wasn't born with that name. It was given to me just a couple years ago by people randomly. And I was like, I guess I should go ahead and just change my Facebook name because Facebook, you know, owns, is uh, the key to everything. And so, you know, I just like, I'll just change my Facebook name to Linda Sunshine. And it felt really weird the first time because I was like thinking that people would think that I thought I was sunshine, you know, but I got used to it. So it's all good. I love it. I love it. You know what? I say own it. Life is too short, right? I think we should all do yeah. stuff like, I think we should all have a new extra name that really like <laughs> speaks to our personality, right? And just actually says something something positive about us for other people to understand. Yes, oh, exactly. Beautiful. Something positive. That's the key, right? Yeah, something positive. The positive, yeah. the positive. Anyway, I love it. I love it that you did that. Well, welcome. Welcome so much to my show. Um, you are known for being the queen of collaboration. You are big supporter of other people, of their businesses, and you're the founder of Women Action Takers. Um, tell me a little bit more about Women Action Takers, just so the, my, my audience knows what that is. Yeah, well, you know, it's been a, an interesting journey for me. I'll just like share a quick short of my story. You know, I grew up in a very volatile, abusive, alcoholic household, and that caused me to have a lot of fears and to become a people pleaser. So I lived all of my life, the first 51 years of my life, trying to please other people, scared to do things. And it was about two weeks before my mom passed away. She said something to me that really kind of like, you know, she said it, it kind of, I heard it. And then it didn't really implement until, you know, a couple of years later, but she said, you know, Linda, I've lived my life with so many regrets, go out there and live the rest of your life with no regrets. And again, I heard her, but I didn't implement because I didn't really know what does that mean? What are my regrets? Do I have any regrets? Uh, how do I live my, you know, so I started asking myself these questions. And so about a couple, just, just a couple of years ago, I was talking to one of my mentors and we were talking about Think and Grow Rich, the book by Napoleon Hill. It's known as like the entrepreneur's Bible. And we were talking about uh, people and how a lot of times we learn and learn and learn, but we don't implement. And it's in our implementation, our taking the action is what makes things happen. And I started thinking that, you know what, that's so true. I've been taking so much action these last couple of years since I met my mentor. I worked with a life coach in 2014, and that's what led up to me facing a fear every single day in 2015, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But it was all that action that I took that year. I faced a fear every single day for 365 days wow, in a row. Wow, incredible. That is massive action, right? For My sure. life completely flipped around in that one year because I took action every day. And I realized that I want to surround myself with women who are taking action. So I'll just create women action takers and see what happens. It's been awesome. 
That is just such a beautiful story. Um, I love that you came from your own personal um, journey and your own personal quest to take action, to learn how to overcome fear. And then how can you bring that to other people and share it? Um, and what drove you to just want to share it? Well, I know that like you and I were talking just earlier, you know, on my podcast, Women Action Takers podcast. So listen into that episode, of course, where I interview Anne. But, you know, we were talking about, you know, taking action and joy and, and fear. And we were talking also about, you know, what makes somebody want to actually do this, like for a business or to, to help other people. Well, I'm a very giving person. I've always been a giving person, you know, even though I had a lot of fears and I was a people pleaser, well, especially as a people pleaser, I was always saying yes to everybody. Right. But very, very giving person and have always been training and teaching people since I was 16. I was always the trainer in every job I had. So when you're training people, you're constantly giving, giving, giving knowledge. Right. And so I was doing this just as a natural thing for me. And when it came to you know, like women action takers and wanting to help other people, I just found myself wanting to teach them what I had learned throughout those years. And it just kind of morphed into it. And, and it's so exciting to see the look on someone's face when you say something and they're like, wow, I never <laughs> thought of it that way. You know, so it's, I just love that. I get so much joy from doing that. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, so I, I'm going to have to ask you now, cause I can't wait any longer. Um, I have to hear <laughs> about the one fear a day. That is just, I've never heard anyone say that before and dealing with that for years. So please tell us your story and what was that about? And, and why did you decide it was so critical for you to kind of confront those fears? Cause that's a lot of fears. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. I still have fears, by the way, you know, because I'm a human being. Um, in 2014, I was driving to work one day, I was working for a judge in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, I was a, a secretary. And so for my line of work, that was like, I made it. That was the penultimate working for this judge. He was this number two judge in the entire um, web Western part of the country. And so I was working for this guy and I hated it. Oh my God. It was so boring. It was just so boring. So I was driving to work one day after about, I think I only worked for him for like 13 months. And I was, is this all there is to life? Is this what life is all about? I don't understand it. This doesn't make any sense to me. Why is this planet here? Why am I here? And I was literally asking myself these questions out loud as I was driving angry in traffic. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, you know, I, I didn't want to kill myself or anything, but I was just not enjoying my life. And I've been with my husband for now it's been 32 years. He's amazing. Absolutely amazing person. But I just wasn't fulfilled. I didn't have any joy in my life, you know, because I, I didn't have love for myself and I didn't know who I was. So as I was driving to work, I, I got, I got to work and I got on Facebook and I looked inside of a Facebook group and this one woman, I didn't know her. She put a post in there and said, I was a life coach. I'm a life coach. I took some time off. I'm getting back into it. I'm looking for five women who want to change their life. And I was like, this woman's talking to me. So I raised my hand. I'm in. I'm totally in. And I, it was $2,500 for 10 sessions, right? So I worked with her for those 10 sessions. And it was the end of uh, 2014. Wow. 
that like November when I finished working with her and what happened, this is really interesting. This is what was the catalyst to the year of fears. So I worked with her from August to November of 2014, every single week, I was changing every single week because she gave me these assignments and I did them. I took action on every single thing she recommended I do. And it was completely changing my life. I was becoming this new person blossoming. I was learning who I was learning to forgive my parents for things that I was blaming them for, for all those decades before, by the way, I was 51 years old when I hired her. So December I'm by myself. I don't have a life coach. And I found myself not really getting depressed, but missing all that action, missing all those homework assignments. But I didn't want to hire her again. I was like, that was $2,500. You know, I didn't, didn't want to hire her again. So I said, you know what? I got a lot of fears. I'm going to face a fear every single day this year in 20, you know, January 1st. And I made that decision. And, and it's interesting because they say decision is when an incision happens, right? When we make a decision to do something, that's when we create an incision to cut off the other stuff. And so I made that decision to move forward by facing a fear every day. Cause I knew I had a lot of fears and every single morning I'd wake up and I'd ask myself, what scares me? And then I would lay in bed and I would wait until that answer came. So whatever was the very first fear was the fear that I committed myself to facing that day. And I did every single day, I faced a fear of some sort. Wow, that's amazing. I love that though. So what am I afraid of? You know, even the first thing you woke up, that was the what question you were asking. Because yeah. it's incredible because I think a lot of us don't realize how afraid we are first thing in the morning when we wake up every day. It doesn't even occur to us to realize that that may, that's influencing our attitudes, our relationships, our work, our happiness, our joy all day because we haven't confronted it on the front end. Yeah. And it's, I don't know why I decided to do it first thing in the morning, probably because I'd forget if I waited too late, you know? And so it was just like, that became my routine to do that. And, and it was interesting because none of the fears were jumping out of planes or eating bugs or like, it's not like fear <laughs> factor, you know, nothing like that. My fears were so deep rooted in judgment mm -hmm. and I didn't know it until I got like six months down the road, you know, I faced uh, like a half a year of fears and I started looking like, what is the common theme between most of my fears? And most of them were the fear of judgment was walking up to a stranger to just say hi. Like I wouldn't even wave at people that I didn't know because I was too scared, too scared they might shoot me. I mean, literally I had these thoughts in my head, you know, back in the day mm -hmm. and, you know, going to a networking event and walking up to somebody and starting a conversation, doing a video terrified me. Like, you know, doing, um, putting my words out there on paper, doing a post, I was, I would just agonize over every single post I would do because like, did I spell it all right? Did it make sense? Are people going to judge me? You know what I mean? Like, oh, yes. I just, I know what you mean. <laughs> I just let those fears just um, create, just like create my life. Mm -hmm. And, and then what I did by facing a fear every day, oh my gosh, I gained so much confidence. I gained so many different, um, like the people that I'm around now that I hang out with now are not people I ever would have before. Cause I would have been too scared to, Sure, you know, 
that's amazing what'll happen when you stick out your neck and face a fear every single day. For sure. So I want to ask you about that. So how would you face that fear? So let's say you wake up and you say, um, I'm, I'm terrified of making eye contact, eye contact with people on the street. So then yeah, that, how would you, a- so you've, you've, you've spoken it, let's say you've say, this is a reality. I realize this is a fear. And then what? Yeah. So it's interesting you say that because my, my fears were very specific so for example, I mean, this is my favorite one just because of, it's like, why did this one come up? But the fear was to talk to a stranger in Starbucks. It wasn't talked to a stranger somewhere. It was in Starbucks. <laughs> so, a very specific one. Yeah. They were all like that. They were all like very, like I was going, I was scheduled to go to a networking event that day. And, and sometimes I would drive to a networking event and I would sit in my car get on Facebook and I'd look at the clock and I'd go, Oh, the event's over. I'll just go home. And I would never go inside. That's how scared I was, you know, but so the Starbucks one, I love this one because it really was extremely specific, like about a Starbucks talk to a single straight, like a solo stranger. I'm much better in groups than I am with you know, one-on-one. So I went to Starbucks and I, I ordered my you know, hot chocolate and I stood there and I waited and waited and waited for somebody to come in by themselves because it had to be a single person and everybody else was kind of like matched up, you know, two people to each other at the tables. And do. so, yeah, exactly. So there was this one guy and I was like, oh, good, my victim, you know, it's like, here's my first victim of today, my victim. And so he walked in, ordered his coffee, and then he went and sat down. So I walked right over to him and I said, excuse me, sir, I'm facing a fear every single day this year. And my fear today is to talk to a stranger in Starbucks. Are you, are you okay if I sit down with you and have a conversation? He's like, uh, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, He's like, who is this weird lady? And so I sat down we had like a five minute conversation. I thanked him for his time. I got up and I walked out of Starbucks and I swear I almost threw up. I, I was so like, oh my God, I can't believe I just talked to a stranger, That's but I did it and I lived to tell about it, you know? Yes. Yes. I love it though, because so many of our fears, even if we know what they are, even if we have been able to identify them, uh, we, the, we don't know the worst case scenario. We imagine the worst case scenario, you know, but we don't always know like, what would it be like if I actually tried it? A lot of people won't say, well, let, I'm too scared of this or that or the other thing, but what if I actually tried it? What it would be as bad as I actually think it would. Um, and I talk about that a lot with my clients is that so much of our perspective, I say perspective is 50% reality and 50% fantasy. Because um, our perspective is what we think we see or where we, you know, what we feel like the situation is. Um, But for example, the fantasy part is how is this person going to respond to me and why I don't, I'm deciding not to talk to them. That's the fantasy. That's the imagination saying, oh, catastrophic thinking. Oh, something terrible would happen. It's like, well, what would happen actually? Like, what's the worst case scenario? I'm in a public place. They're probably not going to attack me. Like, what's, or even then, what's the very worst case scenario? And then what are my chances if I just go and do it and, and see what would happen and, and start like taming that fear? 
Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because for me, what's happened, you know, because of that situation is I've turned that, um, like I now recognize quickly that I'm having a fearful moment Hmm. and I'll, and I'll ask myself, what's causing this fear? Is it judgment? Okay, cool. That's awesome because I can move through that. Um, I'll share just like a really quick story. Uh, part of that time, my, my dog's barking. So if you can hear him, he's just excited. He's full of joy. (laughs) You know, um, so I was attending an event and, at that time I was interviewing stars on the red carpet. So I was super excited that I had this opportunity to interview stars on the red carpet. And I attended this event and um, hold on one sec. I can't hear him for what it's worth. Oh, you can't hear him? Okay. No, so I think your mic is doing great wonders for you. (laughs) A great mic. Okay, good, that's good to know. So I was attending this event. And um, when I got there, it was about one o'clock and everybody was at lunch, except for Jack Canfield, you know, one of the co-authors for Chicken Soup for the Soul. And he was in this, this huge room, like there were, there had been 400 people. And it was just him and three other people. He was having a conversation with them. So I looked at that and I was like, oh, there's Jack Canfield. Awesome. I'm going to get a picture with him. I was so excited. Like I was just going to make it happen. Right. And then what happened, something that I didn't anticipate at all, but he, they were finishing with the conversation and the three people turned around the opposite way to walk out the back door. And Jack just happened to turn around facing towards me, walking directly towards me because I was near the, the exit, walking towards me. And he said out loud, I'm hungry. I'm going to go get lunch. And I grabbed him by the arm and I said, Jack, I'm taking you to lunch. Where do you want to go? And it was so awesome because if I hadn't broken through those fears every day, I would never have done that. The old Linda would have been like, oh, he's hungry. I better leave him alone. Maybe I'll catch him later. And so what I came up with was from that one encounter right there is that when we see an opportunity, we need to seize that opportunity. So see it, then seize it, right? I just think that's so important because Oftentimes we'll let opportunity slip us by. And then we have, like my mom said, regrets. So I'm living my life with no regrets. I interviewed Wesley Snipes on the red carpet. That should not have happened, but I made it happen. I made it happen because he walked right past me and I just grabbed his arm and I brought him back. I said, it's my turn. You know, he's like, okay, I can't even care who interviews him, you know? So it was just amazing how I'm not a brave person but I'm a person who now recognizes fear and I just don't let it stop me anymore. That's the only difference. Yeah, no, that makes all the difference. It's, it's, it's your developing skill and wisdom around it instead of just being kept stuck in the corner behind it. You're like, okay, so it still might give you a butterfly in your stomach once in a while, I'm guessing. <laughs> That's for sure. Like, okay, I have a butterfly in my stomach. Okay, I know what that is. Um, I'm in a safe place and I have nothing to lose and I'm being professional and why the heck not? <laughs> right? Yeah. And you know, it's interesting too, because you know, what happened also is I realized that when my fear was strong, it's because my faith was weakened. Mm. And so I came up with my own acronym for fear. And that is that faith erases anxious reactions. Because when your faith is strong, your fear is weak. 
you can't have faith and fear at the same time to be strong, right? So one is stronger than the other. So when I'm in full, like if I'm feeling really scared and anxious, you know, I'll ask myself, Linda, how strong is your faith right now? Yeah. And, and I just check in. That's fantastic. And, and what does that mean for you? Like, is this, um, you know, for you, is that faith in yourself, faith that you've done the work, um, faith in trusting your gut? What, what does that, what does that look like for you? Faith in that That's way? A, B, C, D, all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> way to go. Yeah. That's amazing. No, I so believe that too. I think that's, um, you know, and you and I've talked in the past a little about, you know, loving ourselves and, yeah. Part of learning to love ourselves is learning to trust ourselves. Uh, you know, kind yeah. of like trusting your instinct, trusting your gut, trusting um, when it's okay to jump, to take the jump, to, to go for it, to, you know, regardless of all those little voices that we may have had in our head. Um, a lot of them are voices that we took from other people growing up, like, you can't do this. You can't do that. You'll never be this. You'll never have that. You'll, and we believe them. And then even when those people are often no longer in our life, at least not on a daily basis, we just take on the exact same dialogue that we were fed and we make it our own. This is like, this is like one of the human dysfunctions <laughs> is we take this belief. We've made it our own. We take the poison and we're like, I will continue to dose myself daily with this same poison, not realizing that we don't have to, that we don't have to. And <laughs> there's so much more potential yeah. there. Yeah, really. It's, it's so true. I was with my ex-husband, my first husband for only two years mm -hmm. and the amount of damage that was done in that two year period of time stuck with me for 30 years to come. Yeah. You know, like I married him when I was 19. I, I left him when I was 21. I had two babies. I had a, a 14 month old and a four week old. And I literally walked out cause I didn't have a car. You know, I just like, I put a diaper bag over one shoulder, a purse over one shoulder and a baby in, in a carry case and a baby on my hip. And I walked out. I was like, I'm not going to live my mom's life. Cause my mom, you know, lived in that abusive, very abusive situation. Mm -hmm. And my ex-husband on a daily basis would make sure I knew how stupid and ignorant I was. You're so stupid. You're so ignorant. People are only nice to you because they feel sorry for you. Like this was a record I heard every single day for two years in a row. But as you said, the record played every single day for 30 more years to come. And even though my current husband is absolutely amazing, is always complimentary. You're always telling me how amazing and brilliant I am that record was playing so deep rooted into my core beliefs about myself that his things that he was saying, I couldn't hear them Yeah. until I started to believe in myself. And that's what my life coach helped me to do is to unlock that, that I am brilliant. I am a pioneer. I am brave. Like all these things, these affirmations, like if you don't believe them, do they really do anything for you? I don't know, but I do know that I believe mine now. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so amazing and so motivating. And I hope so encouraging to everyone who's listening because, and like you said, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, you can escape that. You can escape those patterns. Um, you know, and, and, and I think for me and with the clients I've worked with, it's so much about, it starts with acknowledging it, right? It's hearing the voice 
and then being, wait, that's not mine for starters. That's not my gut telling me how to make a wise choice in this moment. That is so-and-so's voice that I believed about me, a mother, a father, a significant other, a friend, a teacher, a person in authority who told me who I was and what I was like that. First of all, that's not my voice. Why would I say that to myself? You know, why, why would I continue to believe? Was that a credible person? Should I trust? Does their behavior generate a, a reason for me to trust what they said? What, you know, do I think other people should have trust what they said when they were abusing other people? Like, what is it? Like, we see it in other people, but it's so hard to see it in ourselves and turn it off. But it's that awareness at first, because then you can say, ah, because this, these voices, I have them too. They will continue to pop up because they're, mm -hmm. I call it, it's like a watermark of our past. It's just there. It's going to surface. You're going to notice it sometimes, but it's just noticing it and noticing what it is instead of letting it control your life. Like, oh, there that goes again. Well, thank goodness that's not my voice anymore because my voice is in a much more powerful and you know place where I'm taking action, where I can make a difference, where I'm having a, a more joyful life, where I'm you know bringing and bringing hope and empowerment to other people. And and that little piece I just want to follow up with. To me, that's motivating. Maybe not to everyone. But sometimes we're better at taking care of others than taking care of ourselves. And I would say that for a lot of women and a lot of people in general, men and women, that is, it's, um, if you are a nurturer, if you do like supporting it, helping other people, that comes naturally sometimes. But um, doing the same for ourselves is so much harder. Taking that time to just be like, okay, I'm gonna take care of you first. And that will enable me to help others. And I've had to use that voice to convince myself to take care of myself, which is, and there's people counting on you. There's people that need you. You, you have your clients, your friends, your family. Why would you want to bring anything less than your best self to them? Therefore, please take care of you, even if you're not at that point yet. And I think hopefully we will all at some point be there where you can say like, I'm doing this because I deserve it. I own it 100%, no problems. If nothing else, you can start by saying, but I'm going to make this choice so that I am an instrument that's in tune to give back, which you're totally done with your life and your business and your family, which I think is just beautiful. Yeah, it's, um, it really is, you know, to to be there. And I think earlier you were talking about when I was interviewing you on the women action takers podcast, you know, ding, ding. <laughs> when I was interviewing you over there, you know, we were talking about how, um, like, like our childhood, you know, it gets ingrained the beliefs that we have, you know, that come from other people talking about whether it's, you know, religious beliefs or, um, vaccination beliefs, you know, like there's, you know, these, all this fighting going on right now about the COVID vaccine and stuff like that. But, you know, like our beliefs are whatever, what we've experienced and what we know to be true to ourselves and through any research we have or have not done. And, and it, it's really interesting. I wanted to share something because as you were talking about, um, you know, the, the beliefs is that one thing I think is really interesting. And I, I like to look at human behavior now that I understand a little bit more about it, you know, through myself and, you know, facing those fears mm -hmm. and everything and realizing that for me, at least judgment is, a, was a huge fear of mine. And it's actually the number one fear. They say that more people are scared of speaking on stage than they are of dying. The truth of the matter is more people are scared of what people are going to think about them 
you know, speaking on stage. It's the judgment. It's not the speaking on stage at all. It's the judgment on stage. So anyway, um, there's a lot of times I'll see, you know, people will post in uh, like a Facebook group and they'll say, Hey, I'm thinking of, you know, creating this logo. And they'll say, which one do you like best? Number one, two, or three. And then they'll get a responses. Some, you know, maybe like 30% one, 30% two, 30% three. And then they end up deciding on the one that they like the best anyway. Right. (laughs) It's like, I think what we're doing is we're, we're asking for validation. Like I, lo- I love number two. If I put it out there and see, does everybody else like number two? You know, then I can validate my own thoughts. And but then we end up doing what we want to do anyway. So I just find it as, I don't know why I brought that up, but it was just yeah. like, I find it an interesting thing that people do. The need for validation and, 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 and all the ways that we, we do that. Um, you know, I, I, you know, years ago I had an acting teacher who, um, you know, I grew up, once I was in the professional world, um, I came kind of the family I came from and the environment I was in, you know, you kind of dress up, you dress professionally, you put your face on, whatever you want to call that. That's kind of my MO. And I had an actor teach, acting teacher really take me to task on that. It's like, you know, he's like, you kind of come in and you're being authentic in your character, but I'm just saying you're still hiding. You're still not fully letting us and this is a safe space with other actors and your peers and a teacher, right? Really see you. It's not like he's like, take your makeup off. Like it was more like, I can just tell that you're still kind of put together, not just on the outside, but on the inside, you're not open. you really care about what people think. You're concerned about their judgment. You're, you're concerned, even if they don't even talk to you, somehow it still really matters to you what their takeaway is about you. And I'm like, I was so mad because he was right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was so mad for like a month at him. I'm like, I can't believe you said that. And he's like, someday, he's a very insightful person. He said, someday, you know, you're going to be in a place where you can kind of let some of that go sometimes and still feel confident and I never forgot it mostly because it irritated me so much um but it was really true you know and for me years ago that was like just again not everyone's this way at all but mine was like I'm gonna go to the grocery store and I'm not even gonna put lipstick on you know like I'm just gonna be and if I'm wearing pajama bottoms I'm just you know maybe that's still pushing the envelope for me but (laughs) it was it was I just didn't realize how much stress and time and effort went into keeping up appearances for who exactly yeah (laughs) like the judgments of people i don't even know which like like stage fright or you know fear of speaking again being more about you know judgments of people you don't even know why why do we believe that that is so important um and and that every day we have that opportunity to face a fear even if it's a simple one like you know Mm -hmm. Do something out of character because you can, you know, who says you have to be, you know, all put together tight. Who says you have to be nice for those of us who grew up trained to be nice. Who says you have to be nice all the time when you're actually having a very different feeling and you need to express it. I'm not encouraging people to go around be raging and anger. And if you have an anger management problem, then this isn't the one to practice. But if you right. have, if you have the curse of being too nice, then you need to learn to express yourself. Don't be so worried about what other people think. Be true to you first. And when, when I went through my divorce um, after my first marriage, um, um, 
I went and got a ring made with the phrase from Shakespeare that says, to thine own self be true. Mm. And I took off my wedding ring and I put that one on, to thine own self be true. And for me, it was just like this little daily reminder every day when I put it on, when I looked down, when I saw it, when I played with it, it was like, this is a new chapter in my life and I am going to stop living just for everyone else. I'm going to actually start living for me to make me a whole and fulfilled person. So then I can actually support people in the way that counts instead of just stroking their ego or trying to fit some cookie cutter. They've been trying to force me in or no, it's okay to be me. I'm me. I was created me and I'm going to own it, you know, and I'm, I'm going to be true to myself and then I can be more authentic with, with others, which truly was what worked and was what brought me um, a lot of joy. Um, so um, I just wanted to mention too uh, about dealing, confronting all these fears. You have a book about it, right? It's called the year of fears, a year of fear, fears. The year, the year of fears. The year yeah. of fears, guys, the year of fears. And where, where can we get your book? You can go to theyearoffears.com and it's also on Amazon. Fantastic. Theyearoffears.com. And is it, um, is it mostly a narrative, a story, or what kind of, what is the, what did, what do we get to look forward to? It's, um, it's the seven most important lessons I learned during that year. And um, so it's my stories. You know, each chapter is a different story of, you know, the, whatever, whatever the topic was that I learned like whatever that topic was that I learned, there's stories around it. Yeah. Fantastic. I love telling stories. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Oh, I love stories. Any kind of stories. I love storytelling. I love yeah. stories. Um, in fact, and I, there's one thing I promised myself I would ask you today, which was because I saw in something that you posted somewhere um, about uh, a story from your past, which is about when you ran away when you were five. Oh, yeah. I, I have I, to know for a week. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I ran away when I was five and I was gone for a whole week. And it's interesting because I was, I had this amazing opportunity to sit with a gentleman by the name of Les Brown that, you know, I think a lot of people know who he is, an international motivational speaker. And I was sitting with him as just he and I, and he was asking me my story. One thing I really loved about sitting with him is that he really paid attention to me. Mm. You know, he helped me to, to see how simple it is to make somebody feel special, hmm. you know, so that's like, just to start with that, but I was sitting with him and then we were, you know, came up to the, I ran away when I was five and was gone an entire week. And he asked me a question that nobody else has ever asked me. Cause usually they ask, where did you go? Right. That's the question But he asked me, what made you run away that day? And I had never really thought about what made me run away that day. But what it was is that I, I drew a line in the sand and I said, I'm not going to live this life, you know, at five years old, I'm not doing this, you know, but I ran away. I was just gone to the neighbor's house, but I was gone for a week. And if you imagine you're five years old, you run away because my, again, my dad was extremely volatile. It was a abusive alcoholic household, dad screaming. And my mom never fought back. You know, my mom was an enabler. And so at five years old, I ran away and nobody came to get me. Mm. So what ended up happening in my mind is my, what I believed to be true was solidified, whether it was true or not. It was what I believed to be true. They didn't love me. They didn't come to get me. They don't want me around. Mm. 
a whole week I was gone. Now my mom knew where I was, but I didn't know my mom knew where I was. So after a week, she um, called the neighbor and said, you can go ahead and send Linda home. She's been gone long enough. And I came home and that is when that brave little girl who ran away at five turned into this terrified little girl who would not experience life, you know, very much at all from that point until I was 51 years old. But it was that, that, um, that beauty of remembering, like I have a friend who's like, you're just remembering who you used to be. You're remembering how brave you were. And I'm stepping back into that bravery, mm-hmm. you know, from who I used to be, mm-hmm. but you know, it's so many things like at such a young age, we're so impressionable. And I hear that the first seven years of our life are the most impressionable years of our lives. And man, at seven years old, five years old, for me, it really locked in tight, you know, and I felt all the way until my parents passed away that they didn't love me. I never, they never said, I love you. And they never really did much hugging and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I always felt distant. Like I never had a relationship with my parents, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I gained a relationship with them after they passed away because, because I started to, you know, believe in myself, love myself and have forgiveness for others and also have forgiveness for myself for not seeing them for who they really were. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so beautiful. So beautiful. And and even would love to talk about that some other time because I'm also done some work on, you know, family members that have passed and finding connection, finding forgiveness, finding wholeness, finding strength from the positive things that I always just kind of swept under the rug, which is incredibly, incredible, beautiful story. Well, I send you a virtual hug right now. Thank you. I love you. I think you're- I love you too. And um, I'm just so appreciative of you sharing all this with me today. You got me all emotional. And I just think it's so important that we share these things, you know, that we share the fears, that we talk about them so that in this, in this social media crazed world where everyone's posting the perfect life, that's a whole bunch of BS, you know, pardon my French, uh, we need to be honest because people feel more and more isolated because they think they're the only one who's going through things like this. They think, well, I'm the only one who surely must this or that, or be afraid of this or that, or um, no one would ever, you know, no one would ever talk to me because I'm this and that. And, and we never talk about our weaknesses really anymore. We talk about, you know, oh, my life is perfect and you all should be like me. And, you know, I want what you have and you want what I have. And it's not helpful. But being honest is so helpful. Sharing our stories is so helpful. And it fits so much in with, you know, what my audience is used to hearing me talk about, which is joy and how we always talk about how fear is that antithesis of joy, how fear it is. It's very difficult to experience full joyfulness and be very fearful at the same time. I'm not saying there's moment when the nuance, moments when those nuances might not overlap, but in general, it's almost impossible to be full of joy and terrified at the same time. <laughs> and, and so when we start to realize that, when we start to um, naming our fears like you've done, identifying them, facing them, confronting them, working through them to create space for joy, which is something else I talk about, which is you know, we all feel like we don't have this joy that we want, that we, you know, our lives aren't joyful enough, that we don't enjoy moments of joy enough. And well, are you creating space for it to even happen? 
is your, are you so stiff from fear and so clogged up with negativity that is there even room for joy? So I say, I say you have to declutter the shelves of the mind a bit <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and work some of that fear out so we can start learning how to let joy in, which is just, I think, such a perfect compliment to what you shared today is, you know, how do you get to that space and how do you make that happen? So um, thank you. It's been so wonderful having you share. Everybody, please check out her book, The Year of Fears. Also her website, which is womenactiontakers.com. Can't think of a better website title than womenactiontakers.com. Big fan. Um, and uh, Linda and I are both on Clubhouse. So please feel free to check us out there. Come network with us. Um, let's see how we can help support you and your growth personally, professionally, um, whatever you're looking for. How can we help empower and encourage you to face your fears and to find your joy? Linda, it's been such a blessing to have you today. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your story. And um, I can't wait to talk to you again. Thanks, Anne. I really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed it. <laughs> that to me. Thank you so much. And thank you all for being here today. Um, again, you can find out more on my website, um, annscotland.com. You can also find out more about Linda in the notes in case you missed that or you need to write it down, um, her website and her book. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at annscotland. And please, if you would like and subscribe to help keep this content coming, I wish for you a joyful week. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you again next time.